Is the book of Revelation a little bit confusing to you? Hard to follow along? Difficult to perceive what is being talked about in this book? For most people, that is the experience that they have when reading and studying the book of Revelation. And there's a reason for that. Let me give you an example. If you go to the theater to watch a play, and you don't know what this play is about, you don't know any of the main characters and a little bit about their background and their purpose within that play, it's going to make that play difficult to, to watch, to follow along, to perceive, to comprehend what's going on. And that's why frequently when you attend a play, you walk in and they give you a program. And there you get some background information concerning what is this play about? Who are the main characters? And again, some information about each of these key characters and perhaps what they're going to be doing, their role within the play. And that information gives us a general perspective to comprehend better. And that's exactly what we need in the book of Revelation. Now, where do we find that? Well, we find it in the rest of Scripture, primarily in prophecy. And a book that John, who received these visions, who wrote down the Scripture, we know that John drew heavily from the book of Daniel. Now, if Daniel you're not familiar with this book, it's going to make the book of Revelation almost impossible to perceive properly. Well, what we're going to do in this edition of Revelation Shorts is to focus on three of the key characters within the book of Revelation. I'm speaking about the beast, the harlot, and the woman. I'm going to say that again. We're going to talk about the beast, the harlot, and the woman. It's only when we have a proper perspective for understanding these three, then we are better prepared to perceive God's revelation to us in this book. So let's begin with the beast. Now, we've mentioned earlier that the beast, and this is seen in many prophets, the beast is an empire. For example, in the book of Daniel and chapter 7, a very important chapter, Daniel has a vision of four beasts. They are the lion, the bear, the leopard, and then one that is very unique. Now, we know in studying scripture that these animals, the lion represents, for example, Babylon. We know that the bear has to do with the Medes and the Persians. The leopard, we're speaking about Greece. And that fourth one, a very peculiar one, has to do with a European empire that is very unique and initially based in Rome. So there's little doubt, no real controversy. When we come to the book of Revelation, it speaks about a beast. It's not talking about some animal that's going to rise up, but we're talking about an empire, a kingdom 
One, and we've mentioned this before in earlier editions of Revelation Shorts, we're speaking about a one-world government, an empire that controls all of the world. Now, we know something about this empire. This empire, like all the beasts in the book of Revelation, there's really one manifestation, but other beasts are mentioned. And oftentimes we're speaking about that one beast, but different heads, which relate to different uh, periods of time. So we know that this empire, like the different periods of time that it manifested to some degree, we know that it was hostile to Israel. So there's going to be a one world government that in the end will be very hostile to Israel. But you need to remember, and we looked at this, initially this beast is going to want to be friendly to Israel and the Jewish people. Why? Because Satan knows God's important role with Israel. That Israel in the last day is key in the kingdom of God being established. We know the words of Messiah at the end of Matthew chapter 23 when he says, I tell you, I will not come and, and gather up the Jewish people until they say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, which means blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Satan and this false prophet, the Antichrist, they know this. So they initially are going to want to bring Israel to be loyal to the Antichrist. But in the end, Israel will not be loyal to the Antichrist. Israel and the Jewish people may appreciate these seemingly good deeds, the nice gestures that the Antichrist will do in order to court, woo the Jewish people to follow him. But when that Antichrist, when he goes into that place called the Holy of Holies, and what Paul speaks of, and what Messiah speaks of, and what Daniel speaks of twice, this abomination of desolation when the Antichrist proclaims he is God, and demands all people to worship him, Israel is going to reject him. And we've spoken about how this is going to begin a time of persecution, the worst persecution of the Jewish people ever. So this is this, this beast, this empire, a one world government that's going to rule in the last days over all the world. This empire is going to be very hostile not at first to Israel, but first to believers, to you and me. And it's only after we are, are removed and Israel rejects him, then this empire under the leadership of the Antichrist is going to begin a time known as Jacob's trouble, Jacob's tribulation, in order to bring about the worst time of persecution upon the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. So that's the beasts. Now, there's another one we've mentioned, and this is the harlot. Now, harlotry, prophetically, is, is oftentimes spoken of and used symbolically. 
Harlotry is, of course, speaking about sexual immorality. Sometimes within marriage, adultery, sometimes simply immorality of that type, whether the person is married or not. But when we look prophetically, we see that the vast, vast majority of the time, when the prophet speaks about harlotry and adultery, it's not speaking about it between a man and a woman. But the vast majority of time, it speaks of it in regard to Israel and God. That Israel has played the harlot, meaning what? That Israel has gone after idols, involved in what in Hebrew we call avodah zarah, idolatry. And so harlotry is going to be something that is very strong initially, and you need to hear that, initially among this empire. Initially, the Antichrist and the empire, they are going to allow one to worship as they choose, whatever. And they're going to initially at the beginning say, you can worship however you want and all forms of worship are legitimate, are good. But it's going to be people like you and me, believers, that embrace the standards of God, the commandments of God. It's not by accident that the Antichrist, the leader of the beast, this empire, is also known as the man of lawlessness. He has a blasphemous spirit, and that blasphemous spirit is anti-Torah. Scripture's clear about that. He is the man against the Torah. That's what the New Covenant says about the Antichrist. And therefore, we are going to be speaking out against the immorality, that which is unjust, that which is against the biblical ethics that we see in the Scripture. We're going to say that, no, not all religion is, is right. Not everything that's spiritual is of God. We know that God commands us to test the spirits to see if they are of God or not. And because we are going to speak out against idolatry, we believers are going to be persecuted. So we see that initially the main character of that that evil empire under the administration of the Antichrist. It's going to be blasphemous throughout, but initially it is going to be full of idolatry. But there's going to be a change. Now, we made mention of this when we studied Revelation 13 and, and two beasts, that empire and also the leader of that empire, the Antichrist, that false lamb that comes out of, of a time of stability. The beast comes, that empire comes out of instability. But when that empire is secure, then its leader is going to be manifested. And we know something. We know that in the latter portions of Revelation chapter 13, there is a commandment that goes forth by the false prophet where he commands, he does signs and wonders, great signs and wonders, much in the way of that which is supernatural, that which is counterfeit, 
making fire come down from heaven as God did, he's going to give a counterfeit experience of that. And he's going to say to you to do two things. He is going to command all people that they need to make an idol, an image. Now we know the Torah forbids this. But to make an image of the beast, meaning to, to be loyal, to honor, to worship the beast. And also to take a mark and place that mark either upon your forehead or your forearm. We mentioned this speaks about thinking according to the ways of the beast and performing, doing the things that are in accordance with the deeds that the beast, that evil empire would have you to do. So he is going to abruptly change. And we see that idolatry, all expressions of religion and worship are going to be done away with. And there's going to be an absolute requirement to worship him and him alone, that antichrist. And therefore, we know something. We know that, and this is found, for example, in Revelation chapter 17, there's going to be 10 kings. Now, many people say, who are these 10 kings? Well, the scripture tells us that they have not been given any kingdom as of yet. But, but when this empire is established, then and only then will they receive their kingdoms. So these 10 kings, it is not appropriate to ask now who they are. We don't know. We're not told. We're not told their identity, but what they're about and they're going to be loyal to the beasts and at the right time they're going to do two things they are going to make war with the lamb and they also are going to destroy the harlot now what is this about destroying the harlot very simple there's going to be an end to all forms of idolatry and the only and i still would call it idolatry but but perhaps they would not. This destruction of the harlot, all these false religions, different expressions of worship, they're going to be outlawed, and only, only can one worship the Antichrist. So we have the, the beast, that one world government that is going to rise up, <coughs> excuse me, in the last days, and also sitting on that empire, on the beast, is going to be the harlot, meaning the character of this empire is going to be idolatrous and blasphemous. Then we have the third and final character, and this is the woman. Now, if you look, for example, at the end of Revelation 17, this woman is called a city and is going to be the capital. Now, many would say that this is Babylon because Babylon is mentioned, and it is. But we need to understand Babylon prophetically, what Babylon was about, that ancient Babylon. And when we understand ancient Babylon, we can also understand this end times Babylon, which, as most scholars see, it is, is related to Rome. Now, Rome is simply an European term. So this final empire, this woman, this capital city, which people are going to deal with in order to become wealthy, 
all the merchants and such, they are going to all have to bring themselves under the authority of this capital city, this woman, in order that they have wealth. And this is the character of the, the last day's empire, where money is going to be emphasized, not truth, not holiness, not the commandments of God, but wealth. And that's why ultimately, and we'll close with this, this is why ultimately we see something. We see that God is going to destroy all the wealth of the world in a moment. We see that, for example, in Revelation chapter 18. In a moment, God is going to make all which is precious and valuable of great, great worth, worthless. This is what God's going to do. So that's why it's so important for us to store up treasures in the heaven. Well, I'll close this episode of Revelation Shorts with that. Until next time, may God bless you. Shalom from Israel.